Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. And download the Prize Picks app today. Peace, peace. You know what it is. Shamir S-K-Y-Z-O-O Skazoo, live out the borough. And this is the NBA Exchange with my man Dexter Henry. You know how you doing it, man. Log on, tap in. Let's get into it. All right, what's good, everybody? Happy Monday. Your boy Dexter Henry here for the NBA Exchange. Uh, it's going to be a fun day. It's been a little bit of a break. We were off last week, but we are back, ready to rock and roll. As people know, you know from the shirt, you know I'm a big Knicks fan. You know that how that goes. Got to talk some Knicks. They had a disappointing homestand. To talk about that, got to know what the fans feel like. There's nobody better to talk about this than my man, CP the Franchise. You know him from Knicks Fan TV. He is back with me cp what's up man how you doing dexter always good to be with you man how's everything going i'm well man i'm well i wish we could say the same about the basketball team that we root for that has not been the case um as i said when i come talking to you it's got to be about the pulse of the fans yeah uh you got one of the best nick shows out there deep my favorite nick show out there that is for the fans by the fans that's what you guys do you are connected with everything the pulse of the fans let's let's get into it bro Nick's disappointing homestand. I, I feel like there's no other way you could look at this, right? One in three homestand. They had what I think many fans thought, including myself for you, winnable games. Yeah. They do not win these games. One in three on this homestand. Very disappointing. What is your take and what you saw from the New York Knicks on this homestand? A very disappointing homestand. You know, you had four games against teams that were at your level. You had the Charlotte Hornets coming in. No LaMelo ball. This is a team that you're going to be competing with for a playoff spot in the East. And they laid an egg. They had Miles Bridges run roughshod all over them. And so that one was a dud. Then you had the Minnesota Timberwolves coming in. Another team that's, you know, a, a good team needs to be respected, but a team nevertheless that the Knicks uh, should have it, it, could have and should have beat. But crunch time, late game situations, you had too many turnovers. You had missed free throws by Julius Randle. Ultimately, Alec Burks could not convert on a potential uh, game-winning three-point shot. So that one was a letdown. And then, you know, New Orleans Pelicans team that, to me, is below the Knicks, a team that the Knicks are better than. This team had the Knicks down by as, most as, as much as 25 points at, at one point with no Zion Williamson. So that one was a letdown game, just no effort, lackluster defensive play, low energy on the offensive end. And so that was a dud. But they were able to rebound yesterday against the Los Angeles Clippers. So, you know, one and three in the homestand. But uh, I was looking for them to go at least three and one 
here. Yeah, I think I think many of us were looking for the same. Any encouragement coming off of what you saw against the Clips yesterday, particularly with RJ playing well and Randall Randall playing well, which we yeah. have not seen both of in a many games this season. RJ Barrett needs the keys to the kingdom. It's so evident right now in the way that he's playing. He's very aggressive. Um, since December 31st of 2021, that's New Year's Eve, he's averaging 23 points per game, 6.8 rebounds, 3.4 assists. His shooting numbers have taken a climb up. He's shooting 45% from the field, 40 per- from three. He's got to up his free throw percentage at 68%. But uh, another encouraging stat, he said he- he's taking much more free throw attempts, Six free throw attempts right now and so it's showing his aggressiveness in the offense but he's also making his teammates better and I think where this team is right now with no consistency at the point guard play you have Kemba Walker now sitting sitting out on back-to-back games you have no Derrick Rose I believe that RJ Barrett is the most consistent option for us to get uh, good offense going in the half court. You also saw him pushing the pace a lot in that game against the Clippers, which was very encouraging, getting the Knicks out in, in transition, fast break opportunity. So it was definitely RJ, you know, was the shining light in that game, in that win over the Clippers, 110 to 102. Absolutely, no doubt about that. We'll talk We'll talk a bit about that later. But four, three-game homestand, excuse me, four-game homestand, they go one and three. Uh, Knicks now go on a three-game road trip, CP which is not going to be easy at all starting tonight in Cleveland. Uh, the schedule does not get easy for the Knicks. They have, I believe, it's either the first or second toughest schedule the rest of the way. Um, talk to me about how important starting off this as we approach the All-Star break, this three-game stretch right here. How important is this for the New York Knicks? It's critical, and this could make or break their season in terms of, I believe the play-in will still be within reach all year. I mean, the, the bar is set pretty low. You just have to finish yeah. in the top 10 in the East. You know, you just have to finish between uh, seven, six and seven and 10, rather. So I think that will be obtainable, but right now they're in Cleveland tonight. They're five full games back behind this Cleveland Cavaliers team that is much improved uh, from previous years, and so – that game on the road is going to be pivotal. Then you have to go into Miami against Miami Heat, uh, a stalwart defense right now. It's going to be very interesting to see how R.J. Barrett uh, adjusts to to that Miami Heat defense because I know they're going to be keying in on him. And then you have to go uh, against the Royal Champs in Milwaukee. So that is going to be tough. They have eight out of their next ten games on the road. After those three, they come back home against the Sacramento Kings. Then you got John Morant and Memphis Grizzlies coming in. You know that's going to be a tough matchup. And then they go on a brutal, brutal West Coast gauntlet. You have the Lakers. Then they're in Utah. Then Denver on back-to-back nights. Golden State and Portland. So this very well could make or break their season just in terms of trying to get into that sixth seed and and, stay within respectability in, in the conference. Yeah, very well may do that. We'll get to whether or not they are a playoff team. We'll get to that a little bit later. All right. Something I've seen when I'm watching you on Knicks fans TV, I see from the fans in the comments, I see it on Knicks Twitter, Tom Thibodeau's rotations. Some Mm -hmm. people are annoyed with it, particularly CP in whether he should play more of the young guys. And we can get into some of those guys too. Where are you with his rotations? I know our guy, Q-Tip the Abstract, he called in. He said Tibbs needs to do better on this. He was critical of that. Where are you on Thibodeau right now with these rotations? It's frustrating with Tibbs, man. And and it's very hard to question a coach as accomplished as he is. You know, top 15 in, in wins in the NBA. Certainly had the Bulls out to, to some substantial success back in the early 2000s. But 
it's just, it's just very frustrating. You know, my guy JD Sports Talk on the show calls it template coaching. And, and you see that with Tibbs. He sticks to his guys. He sticks to his nine-man rotation. And where we believe there's opportunities for him to be flexible, for him to adjust, he just doesn't make those adjustments. Case in point, you had three straight games against Charlotte, the Timberwolves, and the Pelicans where you played uh, vastly athletic teams, more athletic teams than the Knicks, teams that – you know, don't go as big at times where you could uh, maybe experiment with throwing Obi Toppin and Julius Randle in together to see if you can, you know, match that speed, match that athleticism that the other team is bringing about. You know, you have the newly acquired Cam Reddish. Where is he going to fit in to this rotation? So with, with Tibbs, it just seems like regardless of how the games are going, he has an idea of the guys that he wants to play. You even have times where, you know, Taj Gibson, I love Taj, Brooklyn guy, of course, as yep. we know, but yep. Taj Gibson shouldn't be logging more minutes than Obi Toppin Facts. in certain situations. Agreed. You know what I mean? Agreed. So it, that's the frustrating thing. You have a number eight pick, your number eight pick, a lottery pick that you brought in here, and he's buried on the bench. There, there just has to be a bit more wiggle room, a bit more room for adjustments where Tibbs is concerned to see if we can give this, this team a shot in the arm. I'm glad you mentioned Obi Toppin because that's been the ire of a lot of Knicks fans, right? I even have my producer, Greg, he's always telling me Toppin's got to play more. I think you just hit the nail on the head, right? One of the things, Taj Gibson, love him, Brooklyn guy, know his family pretty well, all all that. Shouldn't be getting more minutes than Obi here and not matching the athleticism. What what does Obi have to do to get on the court? Uh, Because I think there's, he's shown promise. He's shown leaps defensively and how he plays in offensive sets. What does this guy have to do to get on the court? The fans are clamoring for him. It, it's going to be difficult because Tom Thibodeau has been reluctant to play Julius Randle many minutes at the five. But what Obi can do is, number one, he's got to start improving on his three-point shot. It, it's it's His three-point numbers have, have dipped from his rookie season. His shots have been way off there. He's shooting UFOs out there. So that's one thing. He's got to be locked in on the defensive end. That's Tibbs' calling card. If you want to get Tibbs' attention, you got to get out there and, uh, and, and defend well. Uh, whether it's team defense or individuals. So he can start there. I'm just not sure if uh, Tibbs is going to be willing to pair him and Julius Randle in in meaningful Mm -hmm. minutes in in these games. I just don't see it because Tibbs is a guy. He values rim protection. You have Nerlens Noel, you have Mitchell Robinson, and and at times you have Todd Gibson logging those minutes at the center. So it's going to be very difficult for Obi to log, say, more than 15 minutes a night going forward. Yeah, some nights we're not even seeing that. We're not right. even seeing that that right. right now. Okay, one of the things that I spoke about with somebody a couple of weeks ago on this show, and you've really been hammering this, and you talked about this at the top of this interview, is, all right, time to give R.J. Barrett the keys to the offense. You talked about his numbers since December 31st and how he's good he's looked throughout this month. We also talked about how stubborn, for lack of a better word, Tibbs can be with the rotations. Are we seeing that transition? Because we've seen RJ playing better, CP. Are we starting to see that transition? And do you trust that Thibs will say, all right, here's the keys to the offense. Let's go. You know, I thought we were, but then once Kemba returned, it almost put RJ back into that, you know, corner three specialist sort of deal. You know, his, his aggressiveness was dialed down and and you saw more of the utilization going split between Kemba Walker and Julius Randle. So I'm hoping that the Knicks will ultimately transition that way because you're just not getting consistency out of your point guard uh, options, whether it's through their play or through their durability. Julius Randle has been a shell of himself. He's not playmaking as well as he did last mm-hmm. year. As I said, R.J. Barrett gives him that the, the best option. He's confident. He wants 
to handle that responsibility. You heard him in the press conference uh, just yesterday after the Clipper game. He says he, he wants more for himself. He wants more from his team. And I believe that when you give him the ball and, and, and allow him to generate more offense, his confidence improves. And therefore, it emanates across you know many facets of his game, including his three-point shot. You know, I'm just having him stand there and, and just catch and shoot threes, he's not getting into a rhythm that way. To me, right. the way he gets into a rhythm is having the ball in his hands and being a threat downhill to either score, he's throwing the lobs over the top to Mitchell Robinson, or he's finding other guys like Evan Fournier, Julius Randle, and the like for those three-point opportunities. So I think him being more aggressive in that offense can elevate the rest of the team. I happen to agree, and I think the offense has looked pretty good when the ball has been in his hands a lot, and he's got to get those experience and those reps. How is he supposed to get better if you don't start doing it? So hopefully right. we see that. Cam Reddish trade. Yeah. Talked to, the last show we did, we talked about this, not with you, but uh, somebody else I had on, Mike Perry. We spoke about this. And what were your thoughts on this trade? Because I think a lot of us, we can see the upside. We saw him for five minutes yesterday against the Clippers. What are your thoughts on this trade and how you see him fitting into this team going forward? So, so we knew that the Atlanta Hawks' stance on Cam Reddish since last year was they were going to look to trade him because they had yeah. a heavier wings in their stable and, and they weren't going to be willing to pay him the rookie max extension that he'll be eligible for in 2023, which is at about five years, $180 million. So between last year, the draft, and, and coming in here, a lot of fans would, would call in and, and ask, you know, what do you think about Cam Reddish? Can we get Cam Reddish for that first round pick? We know the Hawks were looking for that first round pick. And uh, when the, when the parameters of the deal were announced, you know, Kevin Knox and then uh, a first round pick, which belonged to the Charlotte Hornets, I thought it was a no brainer move because we knew that Kevin Knox had no future here with the Knicks. He's a good kid, but he, he struggled to really, you know, get going. And I figured that he wasn't going to be brought back. And then the Knicks have a ton of first round picks. They didn't give up their own pick, and the Charlotte pick is heavily protected. So I thought it was a no-brainer move because while the Knicks are trying to compete and make the playoffs and things of that nature, they still need to be in talent acquisition mode. And you have a right. guy in Cam Reddish who's coming in highly touted, you know, his former GM of the Hawks and, and Nate McMillan. I mean, they're comparing this guy to, to Paul George, potentially, an, an yeah, all-star. So yeah. he's coming in with a lot of potential. Durability has been on his side, needs to work on his jump shot. His mid-range numbers aren't that great. But I think in team building, this is a way that the Knicks need to capitalize and leverage on when they're trying to build this team. You know, are there disgruntled players out there? Are there opportunities to maybe catch lightning in a bottle that we can take a calculated risk, bring in a young player and see what happens. Maybe down the road, Cam Reddish is one of the, the building blocks to, to, to a contender, or maybe He's a building block to getting you better plays in here where you don't have to destroy half your team just to improve. So yeah. I, I thought it was a no-brainer move that they have to try. Yeah, I, th I thought so too. Uh, salute to JT uh, Riddick. I see you checking in uh, with us on the show Ooh, right JT. now. Appreciate you, JT. Appreciate that. Um, on that note, right, because I like that you talked about sort of the long-term vision for the Knicks and what they should be thinking in terms of roster building, which we know isn't easy to do uh, in the NBA. It, it's not easy at all. But some folks think in some circles the Knicks aren't done here. They might be more active at this trade deadline. Do you think they should be more active? Should they be looking to do some of the moves that you just talked about? Are there any names that you would like? I've heard Knicks fans talk about De'Aaron Fox. We've heard Miles Turner as well, too. What do you think about some of the names that are out there, and what would you yeah. like to see the Knicks do with the deadline? Yeah, as you said, we have heard Fox. We have heard Miles Turner. We're hearing Jalen Brunson. You know, he's a future yep. free agent. What will Dallas do there? 
I think of those names, he's he's the one that I like. I feel like he's the one that would fit in well with Julius Randle, with R.J. Barrett, very scrappy guard, a solid facilitator. He can play off ball, already doing it now with Luka Doncic, who dominates that Dallas offense. Miles Turner, you know, I like Turner, but I think he'd be more of an, a luxury rather than a necessity for this team. I like how Mitchell Robinson is man in the middle right now. I don't think Turner's necessarily a, a need for this team, especially with his contract. And then Fox is another interesting interesting one he's making a a ton of money over 30 million dollars a year can't shoot that well does not facilitate offense that well he can get you to the basket we we know he can get out there and push the pace and and get to the hoop but i'm just wondering fit with what we have right now i'm not sure if if fox is the guy that they go after i mean personally unless it's it's a blockbuster move which i don't think their window is there yet to make yeah, I just don't see the move that they make that's going to really improve this team or bring in a guy that's going to be better than this team. That's let's be honest, they're filled with role players, and with role mm. players, you have inconsistency. One night you get twenty from Kemba, next night he's out. One night you get you know twenty five from Alec Burks, next night you get three. You just don't know what you can rely on with this team of role players right now. So unless there's a there's a guy that they can bring in that's going to be a significant upgrade over what they currently have in this rotation i'm just not sure how aggressive they will be at this trade deadline i think you're right about that cp and the fact that it's a team full of role players so the question then becomes do they have a star in that team could be on this team right now could be rj i think some nick fans are in the belief that he could be or do you think they have to either trade for that superstar not this year maybe down the road or is it still trying to be able to get that guy in the draft how do you think They should look about the team building in terms of getting that star, that guy, so it's not a team full of role players. Well, I think you have to see what RJ can give you right now. You drafted him number three in the draft. You have to put the ball in his hands and see until the point comes where we get a true star, true superstar, whether it's draft or trade, this team has to go through RJ Barrett, and you have to see how far he can take you and how he develops over the next few years. He's only 21 years old and he's having a significant role on this team. But I do think the the way that they're situated where, where they, they are capped out for at least the next year or so, they're going to be drafting say, you know, mid teens or, you know, late teens, early twenties. I think the move to improve this team is going to come via trade, which is why it's important to get to evaluate where you are with your young players RJ, Obi Toppin, what is Cam Reddish, what is Mitchell Robinson, to see who's going to be a foundational piece and who's going to be a piece that we move later on to significantly upgrade this team. I know you do. I know you got your eyes on this because many Knicks fans do. Is there a guy out there for the future that you're thinking the Knicks could obtain that you would like to see that's a starter you think that could put them over the top? Do you have any? Is there anybody on your wish list, CP? Spider Mitchell, Spider Mitchell, Spider Mitchell. I'm with you. I'm with you on this. Bring, bring him home. Bring him home. I'm gonna give him a couple more years at Utah. You know, listen. And the Jazz are a good team. Let's give them credit. The way that that team was built, give credit to uh, Nick's uh, scout, top scout Walt Perrin, in terms of you know being able to leverage those low draft positions to really get some talented players in there, whether it's Rudy Gobert, you know, finding Joe Ingles. Uh, before that, they had Gordon Hayward in tow. So th- Walt Perrin really has an eye for talent, and that's why you're, you're optimistic in how the Knicks have been drafting and, and going forward, even if they're drafting lower in the first round. Uh, but Donovan Mitchell, no doubt about it, is the guy that, that I have my eyes on. He's that second-generation star 
that I feel like could, could really come in here and uh, be a dynamo at MSG, man. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw some. I'm gonna throw some other names at you. Yeah. I don't know what you think about this. Mm-hmm. Um, SGA. What do you th- would is that a guy you'd like there to come yeah. in at the point? Yes. So your SGA. I I think it's a, some uh, where they should look. I don't know what OKC's plans are, but is that a guy you'd be interested in? No question about it, man. Shea Gilgis Alexander is so cold, so cold, man. He can give it to you from all three levels. He's a crafty finisher at the basket, a very savvy cerebral player. Love Shea Gilgis Alexander's game. I just don't see Sam Pressy and OKC doing it. Right. I mean, this right. OKC Thunder team could very well end up with the number one pick in this draft. And, and then you're talking about pairing SGA with a true, legit potential superstar, whether it's Chet Holmgren or Damboya or you have Pablo Banchero coming out of Duke. So I, I think OKC could be sitting pretty with where they are. They already have Josh Giddy playing well as, as well. So yeah. I'm not sure if he's going to be a legit option, but there were rumors uh, that, that surfaced a couple weeks ago that Spider Mitchell prefers a larger market. We've heard it all before. We heard We've that heard with LeBron. We heard that with KD. You know, until then, we, we're, we're going to focus on on – our current players and, and how these young guys can help this team moving forward. But no doubt Spider Mitchell is, is the guy I have my eye on in the next I got one. I got one more for you because I was thinking about this guy this morning. I like how he's played this season. Good defensively. Could see him playing well under Tibbs and in this Knicks culture. DeJounte Murray. The yeah. jumper, the jumper, especially from three, isn't really there. But I think he's another guy. What do you think about him? Another one of Seattle's best, man. He's DeJounte Murray is cold, man. I'll tell you, that kid has it all. And his jumper is coming around, you know, leading the league in steals as well. He's just a very cerebral player. I like how DeJounte Murray plays, but he's just another guy that I just can't see San Antonio partner with. He has to be part of their building block for the future or else. I, I don't see Popovich doing any deals with the, with the Knicks, to, to be honest with you. And if he does, <laughs> it's going to cost us an arm, a leg, a house, and everything. Yeah, you know, you know they're gonna try to do that. JT, I see, I see you on here say I think we have to wait for SGA to be a free agent to have a chance at him. Right. Um, you know, and that that's the thing. Do you wait for free agency? Do you try to be aggressive? When do you do it? All those things are interesting. Okay, let's talk about we got to talk about this. Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. A lot of Knicks fans have been on him. Let's be let's be blunt about it, CP. He has not been great this season. He has not been consistent. Yeah. He's been woefully inconsistent, if anything. Uh are you I think there should be a level of concern about his struggles. When I talk to Knicks fans, it's a lot of, I don't know if this guy should be here. Maybe we should get him out. He's not built for New York. I know you personally did not like what he did with the thumbs down to the fans. I don't think any of the Knicks fans did it. I heard the discussion between you and the sister Ashley Nicole Moss about it. Where are you with Julius Randle? And do you think he is here for the long term with this team? You know, it, it's a thing we all feared coming off of a stellar season last year, an all-star, uh, all-NBA second team. He had all-defense nominations. Uh, I mean, most improved player. You know, Julius, career highs across the board. It was a magical season for him, and it, and it ended terribly in the playoffs. We know that, but what we feared is what we're seeing now, which is the regression. And it's not just a slight regression. It's a bad one. You're talking about this is a guy who only one time last year scored in single digits. He's done it six times already this year. Went from shooting 41% on five attempts last year to shooting 31% now on the same amount of attempts. Mm. 43% from the mid-range, now shooting 36% from the mid-range. He's at a league-worst 46% effective field goal percentage. And so 
it's a big concern. It's a major concern for Julius Randle, a guy who they just gave a max contract to. And it's not just his play on the court. It's the, his leadership qualities. You know, he's, he's being called out for his lack of energy, for his body language, for constantly arguing with the referees, which was an issue last year as well. He just doesn't seem like he's able to keep his composure. It's hard to really pinpoint what the issue is with him. I think you can point to basketball reasons, but as far as off the court, it's, it's hard to know. But it's clear that something is just not right with him, and he just seems to be the whole thumbs-down thing where yeah. he's doing the thumbs-down thing. In the middle of a comeback in a game that they're still losing. Right. So it's like right. for you to channel your energy towards the fans when your team is still in the trenches in the midst of a dog fight trying to win a game, it's it's just something is just not right with him, man. So, you know, look, he's here for right now, but there's no question. I, I think if this team sees a significant upgrade in the horizon that they can make, I think they'll make it. Will it be this year? I don't think so. But certainly within the next one or two years, I think, you know, if there's something out there to be made, I don't think he's un- an, an untouchable asset to this team. I think when you talk about those concerns, CP, one of the things is that people are looking at, Knicks fans in particular, is is he built for New York in that way, right? It's sort of the the mental toughness. While I heard uh ash's point about how the fans may be a little bit too hard on him that is something that should be expected in the territory with new york that look if you play well you're going to get love if you don't you're going to get you're going to get booed the thing that you brought up i thought that was interesting about leadership is are you concerned that the mentality the body language you might have seen from julius Randle, along with the thumbs down are you concerned that spreads through the team maybe affects the culture that appears to have been built here. Is that part of your concern as well? No question. No, no question because he is the, the leader of the team. He's, he's the highest paid player. He's the most talented player. And so the team has to follow that direction. Y- your attitude to me in being a leader, your, your attitude is, is more than uh, your, the stats that you put up. You don't have to be the best player on the team to, to ha- command that locker room. But, you know, if you are the best player on the team and, and your attitude sucks at the same time, you're, you're going to zap that energy from, from the rest of the team. And so it, it's it's very, you know, concerning just the way he is right now. But that's why I believe this has to transition over to R.J. Barrett. Like I said, he and he wants that responsibility. Came from yeah. a big program in Duke, comes from a basketball family, you know, hardworking kid. He just seems, you know, mentally that he can handle – all the pressures that comes with New York. And, and let's be honest, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. This is a fan base that has been seen so much losing, especially in the yeah. last 20 years. And that's coming off of the euphoria and the heartbreak of the 90s. It's almost right. like a drug. Right. It's almost like a drug. <laughs> right. And you want that feeling again. You want that dopamine rush again. That is why, you know, at any site of, of goodness or great play or hard work or, or effort on the court, you get you get the MVP chance. You get your name chanted at MSG because we're so hungry for that. We're so hungry for that guy to embrace us and help us win games. That it can get ugly at times. And and if you're not you know strong enough to overcome that, you know, this is a different generation, as they say, right? These are guys that they love social media. They love to engage mm-hmm. with the fans, whether it's through their own personal accounts or burner accounts. As I told Ashley, social media is not a requirement. You know, you don't need it to live. And at the same time. There's several measures that people in the public eye can take to limit the responses that they receive 
from people that they don't know. There's many ways you can protect right. your account. If 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 that is indeed the issue, because I do right. think there's some fans that are pointing to that. Social media has this effect where the opinions of a select few are, are magnified, where it feels like everybody feels that way. So if it indeed is social media impacting him and his family, you can just hit that button and say, only people that I know that I that I rock with can reply to these posts. Right. And you don't you don't have to check these mentions all the time. Right. You don't have to check your mentions. You don't have to see everything that that's that's going on with that. Uh, JT Reddick, we thank you again uh, for checking in with us. Best thing for Randall is for him to no longer be number one guy, which is what CP was saying. So the lights aren't so bright on him. RJ is doing a great job at taking that spot from him. I actually agree uh, with that completely. I want to hop on something you said there about the fans and the hunger and the passion for winning especially coming out of the 90s. You know, we grew up in some of that, the heartbreak, the rise and fall of yeah. the 90s. Do you think younger Knicks fans, especially a lot of them that watch you guys on Knicks fan TV, mm-hmm. do you think they are patient with this process of this team building in the culture, or is it because they've seen so much bad basketball? Let's call it what it is. The yeah. young Knicks fan has seen so much bad basketball that anything that happens with the Knicks, they're just like, you know, two game loser streak jumping out the window. Yeah. You know, what what are you seeing from the young Nick fan and maybe give them some wisdom to be like, let let's go through this together. Yeah, yeah, we 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 do have some young Knicks fans that are calling in. And shout out to Michael, man. He, he's always calling in and, and very passionate about this team. It just depends on on you know how your Knicks fandom was set up. If if you're a generational fan who used to go to the games with your loved one and they were season ticket holders and things of that nature, I think those fans will stick around. But a lot of these younger fans, especially the Gen Zers, they're not necessarily team loyal. Rather, you know, they're more t- uh, player loyal. So they'll tend to bounce around, whether they're following KD, they're Golden State fans, now they're Nets fans, so on and so forth. But, you know, for the younger fan, it's hard to tell them to stick around when they haven't seen much worth right. sticking around for, you know. <laughs> right. Whether they come it up during the mellow days or insanity, there just hasn't been much to say for the last 20-some-odd years to say, well, this is a reason that you want to stick around. But nevertheless, we, we still do have a nice little, you know, younger audience, younger contingent that uh, that rocks with us. Yeah, I do see that. A couple more before we before we wrap up here. Mm-hmm. Mitchell Robinson, center position. Yeah. Can't stay healthy. We see him roll the ankle again. Do you think he should be part of this team's future? They have a decision to make on him coming up this summer. What do you think about Mitchell Robinson? Would you still invest in him and keep him as the center for the New York Knicks going forward? You know, I, I know it, the, the injury is definitely a red flag, and, but yesterday was kind of like a bang-bang thing with the sprained ankle. It could happen to anybody, and especially with, with big men and, and the way he's built, he is susceptible to that. Uh, nevertheless, I feel like his impact on this team warrants a raise, a pay raise, and hopefully a, a team-friendly deal. I think Mitchell Robinson has deserved it. You know, coming in, he's 8-8 eight and eight on this season. The impact that he has on this team there's no question why they're number two in the league in opponents' points in the paint. It's because Mitchell Robinson's inf- influence. They are number seven in both offensive rebounding and defensive rebounding percentage in the league. A lot of that, Mitchell Robinson, he's he's feeling much better. He's looking much better. He put on a lot of weight and was coming off of uh, the foot surgery. So he was laboring a little bit for about that first quarter, first half of the season. He's looking really good. He's looking really good right now. Very strong around the basket and and just going strong. You know, last year, 
he would get pushed around a lot by a lot of the opposing bigs, especially those that those are that were bigger than him. But this year, you rarely see it, you know, save for the game against Nikola Jokic, who dominates basically everybody. I think Mitchell Robinson has really been a solid anchor for this team. And the encouraging thing is that you're seeing the guards find him more. R.J. Barrett, Alec Burks, even Julius Randle, they're looking for him more and getting him more involved. And I feel like as this offense continues to open up, he'll have his opportunities. Got to stay healthy. Right now he's on the injury report as, as listed as questionable. So he went out on Twitter and said the ankle injury is just a little tweak. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see from there. But I think, you know, you gauge the market. I think anywhere between 13 to 15 per year, I would, I would love to do that with, with Mitchell Robinson. Maybe you trade him down the road, but I think he 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 impacts his team in a way that I would certainly keep him. I did not like the Nerlens Noel deal that they gave Nerlens Noel in this past offseason. I don't think oh, he you did. Oh, you didn't. You didn't I like, didn't like that. I don't okay. think you invest that much money in a limited backup center. I think you can go out and get a JaVale McGee on a vet minimum or even draft a guy to mm-hmm. give you the same impact. Noel did look good against the Clippers yesterday, but I wouldn't have invested that much money in a backup center. And so now the Mitchell Robinson thing becomes a little bit more complex. Right. The good thing about the Nerlens Noel deal is that after next season, they have a team option going for the third year. So they can right. decline that team option and move forward. But if they don't, you don't want to have a lot of money invested in, in two centers on your team. I don't think that's a good way to sit for asset allocation when you're talking about team building. Yeah, not not in today's NBA. I'd agree with that. It'll be interesting to see if they can move uh, Nerlens Noel down the road. He does have a pretty tradable contract with that team option in the third year. Okay, CP, here's a million-dollar question. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Knicks a playoff team. Not a playing team. Yeah. Do you think they can get into that top six? Is there a late-season run like we saw last year, or are you just not a believer based on what you've seen thus far this year? Uh, I think they'll make the play-in. I don't think they'll crack that top six. I think Cleveland is playing w- far too well. Uh, they they have they already lost to Cleveland earlier this year at MSC. They got embarrassed by Ricky Rubio. They have another one tonight. If they can't win that season series against Cleveland, that'll be even harder. You talk about the teams that they're battling for positioning with, whether it's Charlotte, whether it's Boston, Washington Wizards, they all have technically easier schedules to finish out the year. Knicks are number two in the league in terms of uh, strength of schedule. And, you know, you can't put 100% stock into that, but they have a tougher schedule. And so... Based on what I've seen this year, the injuries, the inconsistent play, not knowing what you're going to get from Julius Randle or even R.J. Barrett in in the first half of the season, I just don't see this team catching that same spark, that same lightning in a bottle that they did last year when they were able to rip off, you know, an 11-game winning streak and and, uh, and getting to that four seed. I just don't see it this year. The way the East is playing, it's going to be very competitive. You had an opportunity to uh, even the score with Charlotte a couple of days ago. They lost yep. that, so now they're down two zip to Charlotte. They tied the season series against the Celtics in, in a tough loss against Boston. So when you're when you're battling these teams, these these regular season games matter a great deal right. because you're factoring in tiebreakers. It was the same tiebreakers that got them above the Hawks in the Heat to get them the fourth seed last year. So you have to win these games, but there's just so much inconsistency with this group. You just don't know what you're going to get. And and that's why at 23 or 24, I don't see them cracking that top six. If they don't, CP, is that a disappointing season in your eyes considering yeah. what happened last season? Or should we look at they make the play in, but you see RJ starting to trend upward and being established as the number one guy. Could you then look at that and say, OK, the season's success, even if they yeah. don't make it to the playoffs? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, expectations are a powerful thing, especially when right. you see how well they played last year. Julius's accolades, Tibbs's accolades, RJ, Derrick Rose, they had a magical season last year. But to not make it, a, yes, it would be disappointing for them not to make it. But at the same time, if you're seeing signs of continued play development, if RJ is continuing to ascend, we'll see what Cam Reddish brings. Does Mitch come back? How does Mitch look? Does Obi get an expanded role, Quentin Grimes? I think if if the fans can see that and see a path towards those guys ultimately getting larger roles going forward, then I I still think you can get some wins out of a season where you don't make the playoffs. They're not going to win a championship or even be a dominant playoff team. We, we know that. So yeah. I think there are still areas where, you know, if, if you do see some improvements, it can still be a quote-unquote successful season. Yeah, we will see on that. Uh, success for you. You guys been doing great stuff with Knicks Fan TV. Um, I get to see all the stuff you're doing, all the people you have on. Q-Tip I talked about calling in, everybody that comes in support. What's next for Knicks Fan TV? What do you guys have cooking up for the fans in the second half of the season? Yeah, well, you know, we're just continuing to grow and continuing to expand. We're climbing up to 50,000 subscribers on YouTube. That's It's a tremendous accomplishment uh, from a talent standpoint. You know, last year we brought in Ashley Nicole Moss. We brought in CK2K, two talents in the game. And now this year we brought in uh, Alex Trotaros and then JD Sports Talk. So I wanted to bring in a, a lot more, you know, diverse opinions, diverse, you know, uh, thought. And I just feel like we're, we're really – have a good stable right now of, of content creators, analysts, that's really increasing the value of this channel. On the back end, we're also expanding. We're also hiring, uh, you know, from our video editing team. We have a social media team now that that's growing. We have more uh, video production going on in the background. So we're going to look to increase and expand on our um, content mix, not just the post-game show, but we're going right. to look into other avenues to just to bring continue to bring more value to the fans. And so – you know, the, the fans' uh, support has been tremendous. And with that support, we continue to invest back into the, into the product to keep this thing going. So th- that, that's basically the plan for, uh, for this season. I, I saw the other – I think it was it was yesterday on the post game I was watching, and uh, I forgot the fan who called in, but he was talking about doing, you were going to do a little square off with him and another fan. Battle of the fans. fans. Battle yeah. of the fans. I want to see that, man. I definitely want to see that. So I think that's going to be interesting um, to see. Love what you're doing, brother. I love how you're empowering other people and also creating opportunities for other people uh, in this thing for media. Also, salute to you. I saw you had the uh, opportunity up at WFAN, which was dope. I was really proud Excellent. to see that, man. That's that was, that was beautiful to see. That is CP, the franchise. Please check him out. Knicks Fan TV. I'm telling you guys, if after you watch the Knicks game, you got to tune into their post game. It is the best Knicks post game show. It is live. They break everything down. They talk to the fans. I'm always tuned in. Check out my man, CP. We had a later start to the show today. Uh, we are just going to be a much of an abbreviated show, but I really thank CP for joining me. No problem. Uh, please continue to support us any way you can. Support the Backpack Broadcasting Contact. Check out our promotion with Prospects. Knicks Fan TV, they got one too, so check that out as well too. Absolutely. Prospects, we our partner uh, here at the NBA Exchange. Please check them out. As I said, support CP. Support others. Thank you to everybody. JT Riddick saw you in there supporting and watching us there. We thank you for all that. For CP, the franchise, I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time on the NBA Exchange, peace and love, y'all.